Welcome to the Swift Healthcare video podcast, exploring the intersection of healthcare and leadership hosted by Dr. Patrick Swift. SwiftHealthcare.com is your resource for healthcare professionals to find coaching and consulting to engage, restore, and transform yourself and your organization. And now here's your host, Dr. Patrick Swift. Welcome folks to another episode of the Swift Healthcare Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm delighted that you're here. And we have a fantastic guest speaker for our episode this, uh, this show. And uh, patient Lee Tomlinson. Lee, welcome to the show. Patrick, it's great to be here. And given my health history, it's great to be anywhere. And it's especially good to know when I just realized that speaking to you on camera, uh-huh. I don't have to wear my mask. <laughs> That's right. Infection control is completely in place in place here. Right. So folks, let me tell you about Lee Tomlinson. So the life mission of Patient Lee is to inspire healthcare professionals to return compassionate care to its rightful place at the forefront of modern healthcare to benefit, listen to this, to benefit patients, their families, the bottom line, and perhaps most importantly, their often suffering burned out selves. Lee is an award-winning television producer, movie studio executive, TED Talk speaker, and I'm delighted, Lee, that you are here with us for this show. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you, thank you. So let's um, let's dig into crisis of compassion. Let's just jump right in there. Is there a crisis of compassion in healthcare? Yes, absolutely. And and the word crisis is is probably underused. It's amazing to realize that 60% of healthcare workers today burn out. And when that happens, they are incapable of being compassionate and kind when they treat their patients, no matter their job. And so 60% was pre-pandemic, and now it's even higher. So there so is Lee, a, Lee, let me jump in, because when we had this conversation, being a healthcare provider myself, when you say healthcare providers are incapable of being compassionate when we're burnt yeah. out, yes. I, I want you to unpack that because a listener may, you may be, it may interpret, the listener may interpret you to be saying, if you're burnt out, you can't be compassionate. I, I think you'd get a lot of folks backs up because we may be burnt out but we may be crushing it in clinical care, taking care of other people, saving lives, making a difference, right? So unpack that for me yeah. and please go on. But you're not saying we can't be compassionate. Tell me more about that. Well, here's the thing. When you burn out, and, and I have to say, I speak uh, about burnout from personal experience. Just before I was diagnosed with cancer, which led to this mission to return compassion, I literally was as numb as a stick. And when people are burned out, one of the characteristics is they're emotionally detached. They mm. literally can walk around and do the stuff they're supposed to do, mm. At a major but they cost. cannot express true, honest, deep caring that we as patients can experience. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. It's not a criticism. It's just the result of it. So that burnout means that it's not surprising when you get 60 to 70% of healthcare workers burned out, that 50% of American patients today, 50%, 
say they get zero compassion from their healthcare providers, professionals, and the healthcare system. And the problem with that is that providing compassion for patients has been deemed to be integral, necessary, not an option, a mandate for the best possible patient outcomes. So when healthcare professionals get burned out because they give and give and give and don't keep, take care of themselves and not compassionate with themselves, they cheat us out of the compassion we need for the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time. Yeah, and those providers are burned out them, they're cheated themselves of being uh, nurtured and supported and finding deep meaning in their work when they're burnt out. So the cost is tremendous, not only to the patient, but to the providers themselves, whether it's a physician or a healthcare leader or a provider or a nurse or a staff member, the costs are tremendous, right, Lee? Yeah, I mean, listen, aside from emotional numbness, I mean, it makes us angry, dissatisfied. It ruins our immune systems. It ruins all of our relationships because you're not just burned out in a hospital setting. It carries over to your relationships with yeah. friends, yeah. family, colleagues. Yeah. So burnout is a disaster for the person burned out. And if they're in healthcare, it's also a disaster and life-threatening yeah. for we patients. Yeah. So tell us your why. What you know? Here you are, for those that aren't watching the video but listening on podcast. Lee is in a patient gown in a backdrop of a patient room. So we're getting the full experience here. And so, you know, share with us your why. Why are you doing this? And, and what's your story in a nutshell? Well, I must tell you that prior to June 23rd, 2012, nothing could have been further from my mind. Um, I was very happily uh, a successful television producer, network television producer, my partners and I owned a studio in Los Angeles and built another one. I mean, at least on the outside, aside from the fact I was burned out, life was fabulous. But on June 23rd, I uh, went to my ENT. I have a lot of allergies and my allergies were killing me. I mean, my eyes were swollen and my ears were stuck and my nose was all stuffed up. And I was scheduled, I qualified to play in the California State Senior Amateur Golf Championships at Pebble Beach, which if you're a golfer is heaven. And to have qualified for that was as an amateur golfer, a big deal. Anyway, I knew with those allergies, I couldn't possibly play. There's no way. So I went to my ENT for the allergy test and they stuck my arm with all the needles and did all that and found out that on a scale of one to 10, I was a 12 allergic to grass. Now that's cruel for a golfer, but you know, we'll give you pills, we'll give you sprays, everything will be cool. Well, while she did that, at the end of it, she said, can I do one more test? The answer was, no, I got to get back to work. One more test, won't take long, won't hurt. Yeah, right. Anyway, she does what's called an endoscopy, and she sticks a, a camera up my nose, goes down my throat, and starts looking around, and all of a sudden, long story longer, she goes, uh, Lee, um, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but I think you have throat cancer. Now, she's a very funny lady. I said, ah, don't, don't, don't jo joke about cancer. She says, no, Lee, she started to weep. And she put her hand on my arm, she says, Lee, uh, it's advanced. 
I think it's in your lymph nodes. Um, it's, I can see the tumor right here. She was right. Stage three, stage four, somewhere in between, but advanced oh, throat cancer. And I immediately, she recommended an oncologist, uh, Beverly Hills Cancer Center. And I started treatment. That was on a Thursday. I started treatment with three months of chemo the next month. Had three months of chemo followed by 36 straight days of radiation to my throat. Now, I think I'm a tough guy. I've been hospitalized for everything from amputations to, to dozen broken bones and disease. All over the world, I've been hospitalized. So I think I'm a pretty tough guy. She said it'd be the toughest year of my life. It wasn't close. It was 10 times worse than any year of my life. All my injuries times 100 was how bad it was. And at the very end of it, I was hanging on by a cord. I literally, by a threat, I had literally lost 60 pounds. Uh, I lost all my, I mean, I was miserable. And then I wake up in a hospital with an unidentifiable septic infection at the site of my port, which when your immune system is almost dead from the chemo and the radiation is not a good thing. And if ever there was a time that I could have used some simple human kindness, a touch, a word, a look, a glance, just simple, 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 simple courtesy. And I got zero. I got zero. They treated me like I was literally a pile of manure. Yeah, you don't deserve that. None of our patients do. No. And here's the thing. In my condition, yeah. it destroyed my will to live. Yeah. Broke my heart. Yeah. And I thought, these are people I'm trusting with my life. And if they think that I'm a pile of manure and they treat me like, you know what? I'm not doing so good with my partners. It can't work. My relationship with my wife, I'm a jerk. They're right. I am a piece of manure, a pile. And so I decided to end my life. Oh my goodness. Because I had a huge, uh, what's called a key down life insurance policy at the studio. And if I were to die, my family would be taken care of for their lifetime, kids' life. Perfect. So all I had to do is put on some of these fentanyl patches, which I had dozens of, go to sleep and life would be great for everybody else and I'd be out of my misery. Ollie. The problem was I didn't know how many patches to put on. Good. So I had to trust somebody. So I went to a fellow named Dr. Dean Adele, who was America's doctor at that point, uh, media, radio, and television. Yeah. I, I trusted him enough to where I could say, look, here's what I'm going to do. Can you tell me how many patches? And so he came to see me and it was hard for me to speak. My throat was just a misery. Anyway, I said, Dean, I'm done. Here's why. The people in the, treated me in bad and discourage. All it was horrible. I said, I give up. When I put these patches on, how many? And he did a remarkable thing. He sat down next to me, sat at my height, put his hand on my arm to connect with me, put his head down brought it back up and the first thing he said was, Lee, I am so sorry that you didn't get the compassion, the kindness that you need in addition to the treatment. And he said, I, 
I am disgraced and embarrassed for all of healthcare that that happened to you. And he said, so, but here's the deal. You could kill yourself or you could fight. And if you live, devote your life to seeing if you can't return simple human kindness to healthcare and make a difference rather than chickening out and getting out of life. And it was that single two minute kind, loving, compassionate conversation that saved my life. Wow. And God bless you. Gave me the idea to start the Care Effect movement. And out of that, I've done what? 200 plus keynotes. Uh, I'm producing a movie on the healing power of compassion, about to release a book. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. from that little tiny short conversation mm. changed my life and saved it. That's incredible. And, and it starts with a physician being thorough in the assessment and care for you when your ENT said, I'm just going to do one more th thing, Lee. That, that speaks to the courage and compassion of clinicians to do the right thing, despite whatever challenges she may have been facing in her day. She took the time to look. That led to your care. That led to the crucible of the suffering you went through. And I'm so sorry you went through that because it sounds horrible. And I'm so sorry you had to experience that. And I'm so proud of the physician who you saw in the hospital by connecting with you, touching you, talking with you, yes, yes. honoring you, yes. that, that also championed the reason why we are the healers and light workers and the clinicians that we are because no one chooses evil for evil's sake they mistake it for happiness right and and here are these two light workers who are choosing to do the right thing yes. as opposed to i'm trying to turn these patients turn and burn heads and beds like gets it going so yeah. we're talking about a crisis of compassion and healthcare. It gives me chill saying that we're talking about a crisis of compassion and healthcare. you are championing compassion in healthcare. And you started to talk about what you do. And I want to ask you, I've got a note here. One of your keynotes is titled Burnout Back to Brilliance. What's that all about in a nutshell? Well, if we're going to get more compassionate care into healthcare, the single greatest problem we have to solve is burnout. So well, one of many, but that's a huge one. A huge one. Yeah, but I would say with 60%, six out of 10 yeah. healthcare workers yeah. burned out. Yeah, yeah. That's a gigantic problem. And most of it is from a lack of self-care, of self-compassion, of caring enough for themselves. They give and they give and they give and they give and they give, and they give until they run out of gas yeah. and destroy themselves. I want to add something that, because Please. you're talking about the, the, the burnout being a critical element and acknowledging that there are so many other things like electronic medical records, processes that are driving clinicians crazy, uh, burning them out, systemic. And there's, I, I prepared a quote from The Antidote to Suffering, Christina Dempsey's book, uh, book. nursing officer for Press Ganey. She doesn't know I'm mentioning this in the show, but it is superb. Uh, in her book, there's a quote that ties directly to this. Avoidable suffering is suffering that we as caregivers provoke or make worse because our systems are dysfunctional. Yeah. Actions give rise to avoidable suffering in a number of ways. And your keynote, I'm sure, touches on how to address that. 
Yes, absolutely. And it is systemic. I mean, you look at the hours that healthcare workers have to work and the shifts, you look at all of the challenges they have. And so most of them work in systems that don't value them enough to help them stay healthy. Yeah. And then you get the yeah. typical, and I say that with the greatest respect, the typical healthcare worker got in not to give shots and cuts and grace. No, they got in because of an intense need to relieve the suffering of another. And medicine happened to be the best way to do that. These are wonderful, wonderful, kind, caring, giving people. Yeah, yeah. And when they give too much and don't take care of themselves, and they have a system that is not compassionate towards their needs. Yes, thank you. Because it's not just about not taking good enough care of yourself, right? Because you don't want to walk away with the message, well, if you're burnout, you must not be taking good care of yourself. It's that they're, that they're self-care, but also systemic pressures yes. are driving oh, yeah. us that are grinding healthcare providers to dust and healthcare yeah. leaders, I would add. Yes. Oh, there's no question. However, it is true that the steps that can be taken personally, as I speak to audiences all over the world, different languages everywhere, they're all burned out, yeah. is simply you need to put your needs first. Mm. Not in the moment when you're mm -hmm. sitting with a patient, mm -hmm. but before you get to work. If you want to be both a healer and a cure, if you want to treat curing comfort, as Hippocrates says, in order to comfort, you need to give yourself the same love that we're desperate for as patients. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you do that to the best of your ability, You'll be there for us, and you'll be able to join with your fellow healthcare professionals to go up against the system and say, we need to change this system yeah. and be healthy enough to fight for me and my yeah. life and be healthy enough to fight for yours. Yeah, to set a new standard in healthcare. Yes, yeah. yes. Amen to that, amen to that. So I wanna ask you this question. If you sure. were standing at the top of the world and you had, for a brief moment, the attention of all the healthcare providers, physicians and nurses and leaders and team members, all the folks who work in healthcare, and you had a moment to have their attention, what would you say to them? I would say loving yourself is not a luxury. Mm. It is a necessity. Start there and the rest will come. I love, it, it touches me deeply hearing you say that, Lee, and I've heard it said, Bhagavan Nityananda, a sage uh, Indian saint from India said, uh, the heart is the hub of all sacred spaces, go there and roam. And um, when, you, when you speak about loving oneself, it is critical that there is that love of yourself. And there's also, it's critical that there are organizational structural changes in healthcare to support yes. an environment yes. where that is uh, appreciated and, and respected and accepted and part of our culture, Lee. So yes. I, I appreciate your, the wisdom and, and the grace and the sacrifice that you've, you've gone through and, and standing up to, to dare greatly. To, in my, to in my gown. In your gown, <laughs> yeah. I've done, is I've it done tight in the back or is it tight in the back or no? Yeah, I've done hundreds of, 
keynotes <laughs> on stage. So I walk out like this. Now yeah. you would think, you yeah. know, with my tush hanging out, you would think that I'd be used to it by now, right? These gowns called dignity gowns yeah. are horrible. And after 200 plus keynotes, I still am embarrassed. So yeah. can I do it? Yeah. Because every time we patients are in these things, mm. that's how we start off with yeah. you. Deeply yeah. humiliated. Yeah. And it usually goes downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. So, and they come in different models. And, and one time I was getting a test done and it was set up differently. It wasn't clear to me where the front and back was. And I, I put it on. I came out and one of the ah. workers said to me, you put it on backward. Ah. And, and I felt like so foolish. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're designed to, to humiliate. Well, I shouldn't say yes. that. They are. Well, we can talk about gowns all day. All right. So, yeah. Lee, um, yeah. if folks want to follow up with you after, how can folks learn more about what you're doing and find your TED Talk, uh, highly viewed TED Talk, and learn more, about, learn more about you? How can folks do that? Well, it's really simple. Uh, there's two ways. One is, is just go to my website. All of that stuff is in the videos, uh, more information about my various talks, where I've been, what I've done, who I've done it for, all of that stuff is there. It's Lee, L-E-E, -E, Tomlinson.com, or just send me an email, Lee at LeeTomlinson.com. Outstanding. It's and I'll have that in the show notes as well. So oh, I want to thank you for being part of the Swift Healthcare Podcast. And I wish you uh, much strength, success, courage, and, and also joy of making that difference in your work, Lee. Thank you very much. It's been an honor, Patrick. And to your audience, I just simply want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for the work that you do every single day. I'm alive today because of you. Thank you. God bless. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, or leave a review about the show on your favorite platform and learn how to support the podcast as a patron at swifthealthcare.com, where you can also find the show notes and all of our episodes. Thanks for joining us.